0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every
1: day.
2: It is Locked On Jazz for the first of. April. No April fools today, but some great memories in the old school sports radio of Salt Lake on those. We'll might touch on that. The offseason and how this all impacts it. Some very geeky threads on salary cap stuff and some more thoughts on the Vegas tournament idea. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. Hope things are all right. It's a little different, obviously. I don't know what all right is, but staying together uh, as as a group and social distancing and and hopefully healthy. Uh Bunch of little news notes keep coming out every day. We're touching us on this first segment. And then in addition to that, uh, we'll Andy Larson will rejoin us uh, for the final things. Then tomorrow we'll go live. So I look forward to talking to you tomorrow on a live show. Answer your questions, hang out, chill, do all that kind of stuff. Chad Ford's new show is up and out. Uh, make sure you go grab it. Ch- NBA Chad Ford's NBA Big Board. It's really quite good. Uh, So tune into that next week on the program, greatest seasons of jazz history. We're going to do 1991 92. I'm uh, researching it right now. uh, Loving it. Uh, Totally engaged in this process. It's made me feel a million times better. So uh, hopefully it'll be great and you'll like it. We're going to go back to 91 92. Then we'll probably do one of the final seasons and uh, maybe even go back somewhere in the eighties. Salt Lake Tribune has been nice enough to give me access to their archives. Uh, they have great reporters back there. So I'm reading kind of all the old stories, finding old things. We'll talk to reporters in that era as well as we look back on on those seasons. So uh, hopefully that'll be really fun. That's next week on the program. Tell a few friends. Uh, and, and so everyone can be engaged and we can all share those kind of memories together. It's pretty fun. All right. So yesterday there was a story out of Toronto that the Toronto uh, mayor is not allowing any public gatherings until the end of June. Um, so if that's the case, the conversation we had yesterday about the, uh, the Las Vegas concept really seems to begin to be the only concept that exists. Um, you know, you can't go, and I think we knew that, but this was just a reconfirmation. The chances of us coming out and playing NBA basketball again this year, where everyone's traveling and going to different cities that are all in different places, and as hot spots continually are popping up, uh, I, it just seems impossible. Uh, maybe not, but it feels like it, right? Maybe it's it starts July fifteenth. We go back to normal. We travel like normal, and everything flat. The curve flattens, and we can get in front of crowds. That that seems seems hard for me to see. I, I if I, I, the general consensus on everyone is that the NFL will be the first people to play in front of fans. Like that, they'll lead the way. Sports will lead the way back. By the way, uh, that that's that's what's going to happen here. It's kind of what always happens. Sports and big events will lead the way back, and they'll probably be. I was talking to my parents about this last night, and they're both in their eighties, and. My dad is on the board of a, a ballet company in San Francisco. And I, he was like, do you think people are going to gather? And I said, I think it's going to have to do with your age and your health. Like, I think 80-year-olds may not gather anymore and for a while. And people with health issues may not gather for a while. I mean, I don't know. I'm no expert on this, but it was just a thought. So it does seem as though that Vegas aspect of things is um, most likely. And then we get into that kind of conversation that I uh, brought up, which was, you know, does the Players Union do it? Well, the Saint, as we brought that up, then Woj reports yesterday about the clause in the contract that the that the NF, NBA can institute where they're bringing money back, and they're going to do this not to hold money back. This is really complicated and geeky, but it actually helps them prevent wild cap fluctuations. The One of the bigger problems other than just getting games on the floor for the NBA is with all this revenue change and loss of revenue we could end up with these major, major cap swings, which could cap spike and bring the cap down to, in theory, as low as 85 million from 109 or 115. And and they'll work. There, there's clauses in the contract so that it won't work that way uh, because the players' union and the ownership can come together. Now, last time they were tried to do this, they didn't come together. But I think on this one, the the circumstances are different, and they'll be able to do it. But. There's about 25% of re- of players' salaries that's still out there. So when we start talking about whether or not the players are willing to be quarantined for a period of time in Vegas, and, and that's the way Woj is talking about it, is though it's quarantined in Vegas, in a hotel, and then they turn like ballrooms, or if it's at Mandalay Bay, they have gyms, and they turn them into basketball arenas, and there's no fans, and so you're just playing, and then it's televised out of there, on kind of the way they do world feeds out to every market, then, you know, are the players, I I brought up the point, like, are players willing to do that? Well, you know what? Like if it's the, if the issue is 25% of your salary, then I'll bet most players are willing to do it. That's a lot. Uh, The league, the, the urgency for the league, like, I'm sure there's some of you that are listening and saying, ah, just let it go. Like, and I, and I get that. Um, you start to walk through this if we don't play another game and and Albert uh Namahata uh let's just say, is that how you pronounce it Namahad uh Namahed, who does a bunch of work with the heat is the kind of this incredible salary guy you know he breaks it down and points out like somewhere between like between gate receipts and merchandising and all those kind of things you know, you're talking about 500 million in gate receipts. You're talking about 84 playoff games, which is probably 250 million in gate receipts. And and he's using round numbers. And then you add in the merchandising, and all, you're you're talking somewhere between a billion and 1.3 billion dollars of loss on an 8 billion dollar industry. That's 20 21. That's about what the season is missing too. I mean, that's how you're extrapolating out the math. Well, you suddenly lose 21 percent of your revenue. And the league has to get into the, for every like 1.3, for every 100 million you lose in revenue, you're losing about 1.5 million on the cap. Right? So that that's his, his and then when you hit the 500 million mark, you're actually missing about, th- losing about 3.2 million because of some other things. I don't want to bore you with it. They're like, if they don't, if this just goes forward and they don't play, you could have a cap drop of like $20 million. Well, that screws everything up because then it spikes again the next year. Free agents this year would not be able to get anything. They'll all want one-year contracts so they could get something the next year. It, that those there, there is a real ramification to all of that that um, is, is truly significant and I think has to be something, you know, Obviously, it's not on the forefront right now, but from a basketball standpoint, it's why we've kind of walked through this. It's pretty clear the way you're going to go back and play is you're going to do something in a singular spot. Vegas seems to be the most logical singular spot. And then why would, why would everybody be motivated to do something that that's crazy? Well, this is why. Like 1 to 1.35 billion, each player 25% of their contract, salary cap and long-term lingering after effects of it. That's how you end up getting that done. That's why. So the league's going to avoid, the league's so good, they're going to avoid that process. Uh, side note, I, I don't know. I just wanted to share, there was a lot of this and that about the Miller and the Gobert thing. Um, you know, we have five broadcast assistants, uh, six broadcast assistants that work for me. They work part-time, hourly. They all just lost their gigs. A bunch of them had restaurant gigs. They lost their gigs, so it's it's tough. I got notified last night, that they'll be that they'll be taken care of on the Miller Gobert uh, package. It, it's incredible, like it's just incredible. Um, and the fact that the Millers are actually donating in this is is amazing because their companies are have no revenue right now, and um, so that's you know this is a... I I don't want to get into all this stuff, but like the one thing I've I've read a lot of like quick Twitter things are like well why aren't the like the owners of every single of these companies to some extent are making their donations by paying payroll, um, and it's impressive um and the philadelphia 76ers got hammered i know and you know they didn't do that very well but you know still so for the millers to be involved in this is amazing um and for gobert to be involved is amazing and then for them to be taken care of you know it's just great to see so um you know i just really a a major tip of the hat to the miller family and and all that are uh involved in what they're doing doing on this it's it's very impressive it's very hard um and they're doing the right things and uh i i'm super impressed uh by all aspect of those those items all right uh all right andy larson i will talk a bunch of basketball here how the jazz could beat the lakers and clippers in the fantasy land that we get to do that at some point in time and Uh, those kind of matchups and Rudy Gobert's incredible season and all sorts of things coming up uh, on the program. Uh, Two companies that are just uh, doing amazing things right now. One of them is Sarah over at Sunprint Solutions. Sunprint Solutions is a really, really interesting company. Sarah and her partner uh, own it. It's uh, Utah-owned. They do they are basically the leaders in all print solutions. They've done Science Bank. They've done stuff for the Utah Jazz. They couldn't tell me what. Um, they it's a Utah company, and they have done amazing things right now to keep themselves up viable and uh, working for to make sure that companies that right now still need their marketing dollars and need their um, work get get it done. And they have institute. They have huge space. Uh, they've instituted. Uh, shift changes just incredible creativity I, i i so admire um those kind of people uh who are doing those you know that kind of work they have 88 employees um they're able to stagger their shifts uh they are doing amazing amazing work at SunPrint solutions so direct marketing is vital right now so direct mail marketing you can get that done um They've done a lot of printing for restaurants, letting people know they're open via DoorDash and takeout delivery. They've printed mortgage companies, letting them know they can still get lower interest rates. They'll do folding carton boxes, flyers, books, brochures, mailers, folders, coupons, much more. Sunprint Solutions. Call Sarah, 801-978-5601. That's 801-978-5601. Also, Sarah at Sunprint Solutions. She's S-A-R-A at sunprintsolutions.com. Another day with Andy Larson, so appreciative of his time. Great conversation about Donovan the other day. I go back to one of the things I think has been most interesting about this season is, an, it's actually a conversation I had with someone at a coffee house, and we were at Campos, and uh, they said, well, what do you think about this season, and what do you think the biggest challenge will be? And I said, I think your biggest challenge, the biggest challenge for the Jazz will be to get everyone to play hard. And... That they that kind of look at me like, well, what are, you, what are you talking about? And I was like, you know, we've, this roster's always had guys on the roster who played hard because if they didn't play hard, they went home. Right? Like, they weren't so talented. Right. Frankly, if Ricky Rubio doesn't play incredibly hard with his shooting, he goes home. And Jay Crowder goes home. And other guys go home and that's how joe ingles was when he got in the league but he's now made it so he, he does he, he goes home now he goes home with 15 million a year um it's just a different spot in your career and we this roster didn't have anyone on it that was a you know gotta play hard or you go home guy yeah i
1: i, I worry about that too with you know, first of all, Jeff Green didn't play hard and then went home, so well, <laughs> you had that. And, and, the, and, that um,
2: and that clearly changed a great deal,
0: right?
1: Yeah, and, and I think before that, you you clearly, yeah, you had guys who weren't playing hard, and, and I think that matters. You know, you're trying to get to the highest level of play hard, I guess, that you want. But I, I also think Royce O'Neill after the extension, and I don't know how fair this is, really, because it, it is a small sample size, but after he got signed to the extension, I think that there was a drop off on the defensive end and, and you know maybe it's not just from Royce but I think the the team struggled there as well but you know maybe it was like hey I you know I'm not an undrafted guy anymore now all of a sudden I'm guaranteed 40 million dollars and and if I you know if I my play does drop off I I'm going to be fine I have 40 million dollars uh I think there was I think there was a lot of that you know I think you Mike Conley as much as he wanted his place on the Jazz secure is financially secure. Donovan Mitchell is going to be fine. Rudy Gobert, I think, you know, to some extent, I guess is playing for his next deal after the end of next year, but was kind of concerned about his role in the offense and and how he fits in on this new and more offensively powerful jazz lineup. You know, I I think kind of for all of these guys um, or, or at least many of them, I think there were reasons that they should feel secure about their careers at least. And, yeah I, I you know I think that based on kind of how the the team fared in the playoffs for the last three years, there was this sense that it was really going to only be the playoffs that mattered and what and what happened in the first and second rounds were' gonna determine how uh you know this team was viewed and how you know and so I think there was maybe less regular season urgency than we've seen from a jazz team you know, really since probably the end of the Darren Williams.
2: And frankly, if you look at the Clippers, they don't have a lot of guys that have to play hard. You look at the Lakers. You know, this is is not uncommon to really good teams. But if you go back to what I thought was a really good conversation about Donovan in our show yesterday or earlier this week, depending on when we air this because we're taping this on Sunday, no need to hide that, (laughs) um, is – you know, I thought that conversation, we kind of ran out of time, but I thought that conversation was really revealing in just how young everyone still is. Right. So, I mean, right. I get it. We want, we, everyone built this team and I did it too. I ran my models. I thought they'd be the number one offensive team in the league. And the question was whether they could still be top 10 defensively. And ironically enough, I'd argue that's still the same question today, but you go look at who they're competing with for, to be on this next level, like LeBron's in his 17th season with Anthony Davis, who is in his eighth, right? Kawhi Leonard has a championship belt. He's got a chit. He's got. He's in his ninth season. Paul George is in his tenth season, I believe. Denver is the other team that's probably most similar to Utah when you have Jokic in his fifth season, Jamal Murray in his fourth, and they show a lot of the same characteristics. Houston, who's kind of all over the map, but Harden's in his 11th season and Westbrook's in his 12th. Like, we're asking Donovan in his third season to be better than and beyond these guys that have a decade of experience. And and that, I think, became evident to me throughout the year how big an ask that really is.
1: Well, I, I'll, I guess I'll turn it around then, Locke, and say, like, shouldn't those guys be – shouldn't the third-year and sixth-year guys and uh, some of the unproven talent – on, I guess not unproven, but younger players on the team be more motivated than the 17-year NBA veteran LeBron James or the 11th-year veteran Russell Westbrook or the 12th-year veteran James Harden?
2: I think that's how – I think what those – I think this is what you learn. From year three to year seven in the league. I'd have to talk to players who know, but like I think what you learn is how do I migrate through a year? How do I keep my energy level up? How do I work? You know, I still think it's interesting how much Donovan, and I've talked to him about this, how much he's still dealing with everything for the first time, right? First time to ever be an all-star. How do you react to that? First time playing with another ball handler. First time, there's just so many different aspects that in your third year of the NBA, you're still and even the AT and T Sportsnet replays have kind of reminded me of that. It's just there's still so much new to him along the way. But I and so I I guess that's a little bit of my point. Is this what they're experiencing is not that different than what all the best teams in the league experience, but it's new to us. But you know who are those young guys that need to prove themselves? We actually maybe George Niang, and I'm not sure. Other than that, there's not really a rotation player that has to prove himself anymore.
1: Right. I mean yeah, I mean I would say a too, but he's found himself out of the rotation by the end, right? And so uh, Tony Bradley clearly, I guess, needs to prove himself. But yeah, I mean I I'm I'm with you. I, I I don't think that there was like a a huge level of urgency throughout the season. I think that showed itself pretty clearly in definitely in certain stretches. I mean, losing to Toronto in the first half uh by forty points is is a clear sign of that, right? But even kind of some of the 4 game losing streaks that we saw this team go on, uh, you know, immediately after the All-Star break returns. You know, I I think there were... I'm not a huge, like, mental and, uh, you know, motivation guy as a way to explain performance, but when you have a team that goes on a five-game losing streak immediately after returning from the All-Star break, like, I guess it was a four-game losing streak, but you honestly feel when all those games are at home, it felt pretty clear what was happening there.
2: So if we go back to December 24th, the shakedown in Miami, as I like to call it, right? You you take a, a veteran in Jeff Green and you just send him home. Pretty stunning move, right? Like really kind of unheard of. Yeah. You take Ed Davis out of the rotation. You move George Yang And you acquire Jordan Clarkson. Like if there wasn't a shock to the system, like, wow, these guys were all sitting around on Christmas going, oh, my. Since then, they're the number one offense in the NBA by a decent margin, by the way. Dallas Mavericks are the best offensive team in the history of the NBA, and Utah's 1.2 points better than Dallas since that day, and they're 2.2 points better than the third best offense in the NBA. Their net differ- They're 23-11, and 11, and their net differential is fifth best in the NBA, third best in the Western Conference. Is that fair to who they are? Is that a fair representation, or do you think that's that's too generous or what's your thought?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't think they're the best offense of all time. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I just, I just it, it, basically I'm going to slow down there, but I do think that they are probably a top three, top five level offense, And then I, I do think that they can be much better defensively than what we've seen over that stretch. I mean, that's, that's kind of the problem, right? Is even as, as world beatingly good as they've been mm-hmm. on, on offense, the defense has, not been anywhere close to kind of the Quinn Snyder standard and I think that to me is where you still have some optimism about this team and say look if if you can play like you did offensively over the last three months uh, or I guess two and a half months then you're you're great right like you are a problem in the playoffs and then you need to be as good you know maybe not the a top three team defensively like you were the last three years but if you can be a top five top ten team defensively then you're an elite team then you're a problem you're not only a problem for you know the the oklahoma city teams of the world but you're a problem for the los angeles clippers and the los angeles lakers and even like the milwaukee bucks who are uh, maybe one of the best teams in nba history but like if you are a top five offensive and defensive team uh then you're you're very special and i think that's that's what kind of makes the season uh, both encouraging and frustrating is that we uh, we never got the chance to see them play well offensively and defensively at, at the same time for more than maybe one or two games in a row.
2: They're the 11th best defensive team in the league since that date. Or no, for the season. And yeah. for the, and, and
1: Since for the, that date, though, it's worse.
2: Since that date, they're 18th. What I find hard is there's just been a lot of – Again, a little bit of this veteran aspect of this team. There's just been a lot of games where they've played just enough defense, right? The offense was churning. They got done what they needed to, and they played just enough. It's the same thing. On you know, The sample size is small. The one reason I think you might be right on saying, hey, back down on the number one offense in the league, they didn't play Milwaukee in that stretch. They played one game against Toronto. They didn't play the Lakers in that stretch. They played one game against Boston, one game against Clippers, and they didn't play Philadelphia. So the top six defenses in the NBA, they only have played three games when they elevated that offense to the number one in that time period, it makes it makes it interesting. All right. We'll talk about one, how I, how I do like, uh, as we wrap up with Andy Larson this week, uh, how I do like where they sit in the sense of, um, if you're moving forward, if we don't play again or things of that nature. And it goes actually back to watching the Lakers and the Clippers uh, in that great game. If you recall it before all this went down, which was clearly the two best teams in the Western conference going head to head in a masterful game. And we'll talk about that. If you didn't catch it on Monday, Chad Ford's new podcast is out. Chad Ford's NBA big board. Make sure you subscribe to that or follow it on Spotify. uh, All part of the lockdown podcast. Now, my buddies over at the store have been doing remarkable things, uh, keeping stocked they're independent, so they're able to get really, really creative uh, in what they have been doing. The store is located six two hundred south in twentieth east as well as located in uh at the gateway. All of our local markets are the ones you know our local people are the ones getting hit here and they're they're super important to us so let's they're continuing to support them and in, in such fabulous ways and then the other aspect of things that are that i really just am impressed by is all of the work that they've put in to keep various things in stock and keep their local dealers in stock as well uh right there they they and they are not it's interesting how this works right so they are They're able to get regular deliveries of essentials like eggs, meats, ground beef, chicken, and keep prepping their regular meals, put them in their freezers. their enchiladas, their lasagnas, their chicken pot pies, a favorite. Uh, Their Instagram account continues to be updated. Because of the fact they're not tied to a corporate warehouse, they can use every supplier available to them. So the store have done a masterful job of keeping everything in stock. That's 600 South, 20th East. They're still making mudslide cookies. They're just a little, you have to now get them differently. Uh, All those little changes. And also located down at the Gateway uh, as well, right across from the Children's Museum. It's the store, 6200 South and 20th East as well as at the Gateway. Stop on by.
3: Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel Right, and Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything massages chiropractors this at-home device handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me and now the all-new gen 4 theragun has a proprietary brushless motor it's so quiet it's no louder than an electric toothbrush and best of all you can try theragun risk-free for 30 days there's no substitute for the theragun gen 4 with an oled screen personalized theragun app and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on the name of this network right now and get your gen four theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on theragun.com slash locked on.
2: Going back to that Lakers Clippers game seems like a long, long time ago, Andy. Um, it, they were great. Like, I don't know if you watched that, but I watched that game and I was thinking, wow, the, the jazz just no way. And then I paused and was like, you know what? The Jazz beat them because they're the number one catch and shoot team in the league, and they just have an. They get hot offensively for two or three games in the series, and they. And the the Clippers and Lakers don't. You end up in a game seven, and you just never know. And like, it wasn't like, hey, they're clearly not the favorite, and I'm not sure I would possibly say that they could ever beat them, but it was interesting to me that this team built offensively rather than being built defensively i could write the script whereas last year when we played the rockets and i took a lot of heat for this i was like there's no chance there's just no chance Mm. they we don't have the offensive capability even if we play well defensively and slow them down to match them whereas this time i was like wait a sec we can actually be just as good as they are offensively if but you know got you got every guy on the rotation shoots over 38% on catch-and-shoot threes. Like, you get the ball moving, you get penetrating, you get some things going, you figure out their flaws, you knock down, you can start knocking down a bunch of shots, and you might be able to get these guys. And not like you could get your favorite or anything, but there was a script to it. And I didn't feel like in the years past when this was the defensive-built team that there was that script.
1: Well, and I, I also think that there are – I I think the Lakers are maybe more difficult for the Jazz to uh, imagine beating just because their ranks, I think, would present real problems for them in terms of getting those catch-and-shoot threes and and getting clean looks. Um, I think against, like, the Clippers, the Rockets, uh, Denver, any of those teams I think the Jazz can kind of do what they do against, and I don't know that they have a lot of counters. Uh, And, and, you know, like – you know, as much problems as the Jazz have had against the Rockets, and I and I do think that that's real. Uh, I, the Clippers and Nuggets, especially, I think the Jazz can can play their game. And I, I, you know, I I don't think that they, I don't know that they would be favored in those series. But I think the Jazz would have a chance because you know, I I think the Jazz might have more answers for what those teams do offensively than than maybe the other way around.
2: It does also to me like the structure of the team now with. Maybe you decide it wasn't quite good enough defensively. Maybe you decide it was a little small, like didn't have the length. You can actually make Justin Zanuck, Dennis Lindsay in the front office, can make adjustments to the roster as it sits today much more subtly than what they could have done a year ago. They actually had to alter the entire complexion of the team, which is what they did in the offseason. And now I feel like they can fiddle a little bit and try to figure out what the right matches are to just get those little incremental amounts better.
1: Yeah. I mean, you don't have a ton of assets, right? Like they they won't have any free agent space. So you're talking about basically using the mid level, using the biannual exception uh, and then kind of making whatever trade using your first round pick, I suppose, uh, and doing whatever deals you can around the edges to to make that work. But, um, you know, I, I do actually think that would make a substantial difference for a lot of the season. The bench was a huge problem. And, um, you know, I I think you're right that you can go out and look at the mid-level and say, okay, you know, who who can we get for roughly 10 million dollars a year that will provide, uh, you know, some maybe length and athleticism or whatever it is. Maybe you feel like you need a better backup center, uh, uh, you know, whether you feel you need a, a a defensive stopper kind of player, whatever that is that you feel like you need in in this class. It's not a great free agent market, but I do think they're like a a small number of role players that you think that you that may be able to make a difference
2: it's an interesting game right because we just you've built this brilliant shooting team and then you want to go get an athlete so you go get like mo harkless and he can't shoot right like this is like i always love like when i listen to and hey i did play a talk radio um i i i listen to a bunch of people and they they'll talk about well you just got to go get some really athletic to you know wing defender who can shoot i'm like well that's an all-star Right. Like that, that's an all. like, <laughs> if you can do both, you're an all-star. So it's a, it's an interesting game that the jet right now, um, that the jazz kind of talked about here, which is that, or the jazz kind of went through, which is okay. Our margin of error is now going to have to be is, is wider on the offensive end and our route to success defensively is, is much sh- more shallow than it once was. And, and that's the, and I think that was hard for everyone to understand for this season.
1: I, I agree. And I think what you really kind of want is like basically versatility there, right? Like, so you either, you know, like the Clippers have Landry Scamett and they also have, uh, you know, uh, oh, who am I? Who's going to be my go to defender uh, on their team? It's not going to uh, be Lou Williams. Know, Pat, Patrick Beverly. <laughs> not Lou Williams. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you, you kind of have the choice to be able to do what you want. Um uh, you know, I I don't know that the Jets have you know uh, I guess they they do have Royce O'Neal which is great and uh, you know I I think he will start playing to his his potential defensively a little bit I think that's that's kind of important but uh, you know I think clearly they they need – are they're, they're just questions that I don't know that Quinn Sands can have all the answers for right now and I think that's that's a little bit tough and I think you know you you'd like someone to be, be able to play. Uh, situationally if you need it. I what I what I think is tricky about that though is NBA rotations for the most part are pretty set. You know, like you you don't see situational you, you don't see like platooning in the NBA that often, right? You don't see a guy play 30 minutes one night to stop one matchup and then not play the next night. So um, and, and so I think as a result, yeah, if you put in a Mo Harkless kind of guy, you're you're gonna just see you're not gonna be the number one shooting team in the league anymore right like so you have to decide whether or not that's worth it i
2: I think rudy's still unbelievable Oh yeah no, he's the league's still the best player on the team the league's changed and so it's really really hard to get shots at the rim um led by milwaukee and other teams and he still's the league leader in dunks he's still getting those shots at the rim there's like four centers in the nba that actually can do this like there's and, and they're strange right they're Hassan whiteside and they're mitchell robinson and they're um, I'm forgetting somebody off the top of my head, but they're actually the amount of centers that actually can roll to the rim and catch a pass above the rim for a dunk, which sounds like, like such a basic, easy thing to do are, are very few. It's actually a skill that, you know, there there are, that are not, not happening very often. I, I I'm actually can't find my fourth. Uh, Rashawn Holmes is my fourth guy. Like who's done it a lot this year. <laughs> they're strange players. And then none of those guys Hassan Whiteside, Rashawn Holmes, or um, whatever innocuous other center I mentioned. Mitchell Robinson have a defensive impact yet that Rudy
1: has. Right. And, and yeah, I mean, there, there really is no one in the league like Rudy. I mean, I guess the closest thing is it, it, it's really like Anthony Davis is a little bit like Rudy plus a little bit. But it, even, I mean, obviously you pay Anthony Davis the Supermax. I think Rudy Gobert is deserving, uh, you know, of of maybe a regular max deal, but I don't think you can like give him the super max extension where it's five years and 35% of the cap. And, you know, you look at how old he's going to be at that point and you don't know how the league is going to change. And and you're really locking into, you know, what has been a a 50 win core for the next, you know, five years. It's just for me, I I think, and, and honestly, I think, from what I understand of the front office is thinking, I, I just don't see them locking into that huge percentage of the salary cap for that long, uh, knowing what the downside could potentially be. And, you know, that's not unfair to Rudy. I, I, I'm, I think he's one of the top 15 players in this league. I think he's terrific. And they're just, it, it really is that 35% of the cap is so much that I think it's really probably four or five players in the league that are really worth it
2: uh who's what's the best team you saw this year uh
1: the best team i saw in person was the lakers uh i mean i we obviously saw the bucks i was at both of the jazz bucks games and and that's a very very good team but i thought that performance where the lakers came in and and just smashed the jazz uh was nearly unstoppable and uh you know i think Basically, the as good as the Bucks were, and you know they were again one of the top five teams on pace to be one of the top five teams in NBA history. I, I think the Lakers' level of talent blew me in way, blew me away in a way that maybe the Bucs didn't.
2: Yeah, all right, final question for the guy who's covering the Jazz and COVID-19 for the Salt Lake Tribune. You and I talk on July one, so April, May, June, three months from now, 120 days. What's happened?
1: A lot of people have died, so that's not great. Um, I think we have at that point established whether or not basketball will return, and I think, but I don't think that it has yet on July 1st. Wow. Um, And yeah, I mean, I, I look at the numbers of how this thing is recovering, and I just think that. Where you know, I think we're talking about two months before we get people together, and then I think you know we're looking at like a two-week training camp or whatever that that is. But I mean, that's you know, this is if we you know, release these podcasts at the beginning of April, three months away. That's that's where we're at is like amping up to a season to begin. Right You know, I I just think that this is this is not a short-term problem that we're facing.
2: And the timing on that gets tough. You're finished if you're doing that, like you. Till August, like you you need if you're start if we haven't started yet by July 1, you're not finishing till October.
1: Well I, I don't think you're playing all the remaining regular season. I, I think basically you come up with a, a playoff, maybe a, a short ramp up, a shorter playoff. I don't know if that's a three game series or a five game series or what that looks like. And you honestly begin the 2020 season probably on Christmas day or, or, you know, late November, early December, something like that. But I, you know, I don't think that we're, if you do want to finish this year and I think that makes sense for the NBA, I think they're going to sacrifice the timing for next season in order to play more games this season, rather than just have it be a clean slate.
2: He's Andy Larson, read him in the Solid Tribune, please subscribe. Subscribe and support the Salt Lake Tribune if you can. Uh, local media, local coverage. So, so very important. Uh, I'll give a tip of the hat to the park record out here is doing a great job in summit County as well. Yeah. Um, so thank you to them. Please support your local medias, your local restaurants, all these things. It's, you know, this is not a short-term problem. As Andy said, and they, everyone's going to need their support, uh, the best they can. We know a lot of you are having a hard time. We're trying to support you the best we can by giving you something, uh, other than this to talk about. So we hope you enjoyed the basketball conversation, Andy. Thanks so much for your time. I super appreciate it. It's been a fun week uh thursday edition of locked on nba is out friday edition of locked nba we put out a whole week worth of content for you so go tell your smart device to play podcast locked on nba